Hello, I'm Sammy Lucas. And just like that, they're back. Okay, I loved it and I hated it. And then I loved it again. And if you're a diehard fan like me and you maybe watched the first episode and felt a little confused, a little underwhelmed, I have a really interesting theory I want to share with you that might just change your your opinion and your perspective about the whole series. Major spoilers ahead in this podcast. So this is a recap and a review. So there will be spoilers. If you haven't watched the show, maybe you shouldn't listen to this until you have. Or if you don't care about spoilers, prepare to be spoiled. My guest today is an entertainment reporter. She's host of the TV Binge Box podcast and a Sex of the City super fan, Joe Casamento. I need to unpack. I need to debrief. I'm here. I'm here for it. I even had a blowout this morning just to get in the mood, get my carry on. So I am ready. Can I just say... I got the best text message this morning. We watched the show last night. Mm -hmm. We're now recording this podcast the morning after. So this morning I woke up and I had a text message from my therapist. Ah, I love that that you're on speed dialing. Morning, Sammy. I just have to say thank God you've got this podcast. Ah. I am traumatised by Big's death and I really need to process. I'm sure many others will feel the same. This podcast is going to be therapy for me. Looking forward to listening. Oh, my. my Your therapist therapist is reaching out to you for therapy. I don't even know what to call that. So, uh, yeah, if you are traumatised by episode one, you know, maybe we can provide... Maybe some therapy we as we all process it together. Before we get into the, the review, what did this show mean to you? This show was everything to me. I think going back to my younger self, it was like Jackie Collins on steroids, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like you learn everything. There was Dolly Magazine. This is back in the day for you young folk out there. <laughs> there was Dolly Magazine where you learned about, you know, your periods. There was Jackie Collins where you learned about blowjobs. And really there was Sex in the City that taught you the rest. And that was your manual for life. So it really was everything. So um, I can't undervalue where it sits in my fondness. And I think it sits in all of our hearts. And last night for me, it's interesting, we are going to get into it, how you are traumatised by what happened. Mm -hmm. Your therapist is traumatised by what happened. My friends are all traumatised. See, I I actually come from a completely different viewpoint where I was relieved that what happened happened because, well, I think I texted you yesterday and said, I'm actually hashtag Team Aiden all the way and always was. So for me, Big was an ass from the beginning and I never warmed to him. So Really? Yes. So for me, it isn't a huge loss. All right. Well, you can give me the therapy to process Big's death. We'll get to. So did you watch the reboot with your kids? Did the girls watch it with you? I actually banished them all to their rooms. (laughs) I needed to reacquaint myself with these girls on a solo level to absorb them, breathe them and just see how I felt about them again. It was really weird. It's like reconnecting with long lost yeah. sisters almost. It's, I needed the opposite experience because I had two of my girlfriends on uh, group chat. So there were three ah. of us watching the show together. I actually poured myself a Cosmo. I didn't realise I made such a good Cosmo. Oh, <laughs> they're the best drink. Really Why did they good. go out of fashion? I know they're back. They're back. They're back. I had the, the experience of watching it with engagement engaging with my two girlfriends. One's in Perth and one was in Sydney as well. But 
just watching it together and sharing our experiences and our thoughts. But of course, when you're doing it, when you're watching it that way, you're not completely focused on the show. So I rewatched on my own and I actually enjoyed it so much more mm. when I watched mm. it on my own. Mm. There was so much to take in. And you and you have to pause. Like I pause on the wardrobes and then on Charlotte's room and her lounge and I feel like I need to do those things solo because it's so annoying for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to say from the outset, we should acknowledge it is so difficult to even attempt to reboot anything, mm. but especially such a successful, iconic show it is so much easier to get it wrong mm-hmm. than and it is to get it right. And it's so difficult to hit that right chord mm-hmm. with the fans, giving them what they want, but also making mm-hmm. it fresh mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. it in a new direction and mm-hmm. bringing something new in. Okay, so I am not a fan of the reboot. Having said that, this, only two episodes in, so withhold my full judgment, this I am loving. I loved on every level. And I think it was because they are not pretending 20 years hasn't happened. Their friendships have changed. Their, you know, everything about them is changing. And they've grown up and we've grown up as well. And I actually really enjoyed that. So I, mm. as a reboot, I'm actually enjoying and okay with that and, and embracing that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So even on very first viewing, you, you just loved everything about so it. So the first 20 minutes, which I read some reviews this morning and someone said they were the most awful 20 minutes ever. And I know your opinion seems to be that you didn't love on first inspection. I loved that. I froze that first five minutes, I think five times where she turns, turns around, around and does the squeal. <laughs> And has the hair and the squeal and the music just comes in. So I watched the first 15 minutes and I was squirming and cringing and thinking, (gasps) I am so devastated. Please, this just brings me back to the second movie. It had that cringy feel for me on many levels. The the way they handled Samantha we'll get to, the forced Mm -hmm. references to COVID, which just weren't necessary. But then... I read this fabulous review in The Hollywood Reporter, reviewed by Robin Barr, and this changed everything for me. And she said, I want to be clear, and Just Like That is not a Sex and the City reboot. It's not a revival, Mm -hmm. nor is it a reimagining. It's a whole new show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it shares some DNA with the original series. It's built around the original characters, But this series acknowledges from the very start their world is not the same Mm. and these Mm. characters are in completely different places in their lives. And that, for me, when I then took that on board and I sat back and I thought about it and then I went back and watched it from the beginning again, I was like, I loved it. See, I, I kept rewinding. I loved that they sat at the table. And look at us sitting here now mm-hmm. with our glasses on because we are women of a certain age and your eyes do fail you as much as I tried to pretend they didn't. And they all sit there and they've got their glasses, they're reading their menu and then they have to take them off and that was a real moment. And then when Miranda comes in with the talk of stepping on the son's condom. This is one that I want to That was you. brilliant. Is your son's 17? 17. Okay, I'm not stepping on condoms yet, but I can to- I could totally relate to the teenageness of what she's going through. Yep. She's obviously been lenient to a, a degree, let the girlfriend in, and now she's regretting that because he's just turned into this sex-mad <laughs> freak in their home. And so many things about their children I could really relate to. So it 
got you in as a parent I, of teenagers yep, immediately. straight away. And the, I felt like it was real and authentic. Maybe I didn't come in like you, Sammy. I've always been good in my later years of managing my levels of disappointment because <laughs> life has a way to tend to disappoint, correct? Not just so, what you're watching on the screen. Not just what you're... I tend to temper my viewing with that. So I go in... Not hopeful. Oh, I expected everything. Okay. I, I was well, also. Your first I, I also felt entitled to something spectacular to make up uh-huh. uh, for the bin fire that was the second movie, which has actually been described as a low point in American cinematic history. So I, I felt like they owed me, and okay. I was expecting twenty out of ten. But look, as I said, I rewatched it through lens. a different lens, mm-hmm. and I bloody loved it. I do feel, though, the lightness and the fun of the original series was missing. This series so far, two episodes, and episode two particularly, which we'll get to because of Big's funeral, it just has a very different tone. Mm -hmm. The original series was a sexy rom-com. This feels like a drama focused on grief initially, and I really hope we can get through that. You know, I'm glad they're going through this journey, but I want to get back to the lightness and the some of the sexy rom-com. I am quite of the opposite. The heaviness, I didn't mind because I think they realise, and this is where I think they're brilliant, the writers and, and the producers of this, in that they know their audience has aged. Their core audience are now 50-year-old women. Mm-hmm. So there is still a lot of fun and light and shade in all of our lives, I like to hope. But the the reality of it is, and the truth of it is, there is depth as well. And I think they are balancing that out. And yes, I hope, if it lives in the space it's it's ended in on episode two, no, it won't no, be too much fun to continue to, with. It has to go through But that. I think you couldn't treat that with humour. How could you treat no. the death of the, the biggest love of her life? With any anything but the way they treated it. And I think they gave it the gravitar, gravitas mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it deserved. I was left after episode one feeling like they've kind of tried so hard to be woke and relevant that they've lost a bit of that fun, light In escapism. But look, back then, the original series, these were carefree 30-something girls mm-hmm. running around New York, going to clubs, sipping cocktails, having sex and meeting men. Now they're grown-up women with grown-up important life issues to deal with. But, Sammy, so don't you that. think the world has changed? I think the world oh, yeah. has lost its innocence yep. in many ways. I mean, when this mm. started, was the, mm. you know... Oh, it you, was, Do you know absolutely. what I mean? It was pre It was 1998. All of these things, it's pre all the woke movements, it's pre the deaths, like deaths in custody and and, and all of those movements and pre-COVID. So the innocence of the world, I think, has been lost. So to not reflect that would have been a, a huge misstep on their part. The characters are clearly not motivated by sex or dating anymore. It mm. seems they're motivated by different things. I think for Charlotte, being a good mum, mm-hmm. that's kind of her bag, right? That's it for her. Mm-hmm. Miranda, she's embarking on this huge journey of really wanting to make a difference in the world, being more socially conscious. You know, she's going back to school. She's getting her Master's in Human Rights to pair with her law degree so she can help women. Mm-hmm. Carrie, what did you pick up for Carrie's journey Okay, so it's funny because I've related to all of the characters over time in different ways. So for me, I could actually relate to both where Carrie 
and uh, Miranda are sitting right now, and even Charlotte to a degree, although I've let go of trying to be the perfect mother. So I think I've let Charlotte go. But Charlotte's character, sorry, not Charlotte, Miranda's character, I could relate to because I've pivoted recently in COVID and I can understand where uh, Miranda is at in that she wants more. Is this all it is? Mm -hmm. Am I stuck on this corporate wheel? And I think a lot of people during COVID have reassessed that. So I think a lot of women will relate to that. Carrie, okay, Carrie, Carrie, I can relate to as well because she's gone into the, I love how they kept throwing in all those words, Instagram, a podcaster. But look at us, look at us sitting here. We've had to pivot and had to readjust, relearn, re, you know, I grew up in a print era. I went, I did my cadetship in print. So I can understand Carrie's new space of trying to be hip and groovy in, you know, books are out and trying to identify and adapt and work, just bloody work in a world with digital media and embrace that when you are from, she's a newspaper columnist. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a new era and she's had to adapt. She's trying. She's not doing so well. That podcasting scene. No, it was cringy. Was Mm. so cringy, but I kind of loved her for it too. So Carrie, for you, it's about, it's the pivot, the The pivot, pivot. And trying to adapt when you aren't comfortable. Like, But I think also it looks like, in Carrie's journey, she's dealing with some major changes in two key relationships mm. in her life. She's lost two mm-hmm. of her biggest relationships. Samantha, the door is still maybe ajar, maybe a little mm. bit. I think big, they're hopeful. Big, the door's slammed shut, mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. And also, don't forget, we know Stanny. He's only oh, in the no. first three episodes because, the, you know, the actor died in, in real life. So how are they going to handle that? Is, is she losing him as well? That is a lot of loss mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. anyone, mm-hmm. you know, but especially when you're in that vulnerable space in your career and you're, you're trying to pivot to, then, to navigate and then to have those key relationships in your life crumble. It's, oh, I think... The most important thing we established for me in episode one is that Perswine is the way forward. <laughs> it is the future. I mean, you're a mum. You've been to many recitals. Never Purse read. Wine. Darling, that was Miranda's first mistake. <laughs> red wine in a plastic cup in I a recital, it. sneaking it under a you know chair. Never read. At I least do it. white so it's not stained. Perswine. It got me. I loved it. All right. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's address the Samantha issue. Mm-hmm. Um I loved that they addressed it at the very start, but it felt abrupt. I think they went in very Mm -hmm. hard, very quickly. Mm -hmm. With Bitsy Von Muffling in the cafe, she brought it up, where's your fourth musketeer? And, like, it wasn't a subtle Mm -mm. reference. It was... Uh, shock and awe, like, and the inference that she was dead by mistake when she said she's le- she's no no longer with us. Mm. And then a little later, there was that very clunky conversation I found between Carrie and Miranda. I don't buy the storyline of Samantha and why she's left, and I'm really upset and disappointed with the writers that they think we don't know Samantha better than mm, this. Mm. Uh, a friendship falling outs in your 50s happen, right? It's painful. It's mm-hmm. very significant. And I was very much looking forward to seeing how the show would handle it. I'm so disappointed. So Carrie said, the book business has changed. It didn't make sense to keep her on as my publicist. So she fired me as a friend and stopped returning my calls. And the Carrie line that says, I understand she was upset, but I thought I was more to her than an ATM. That's just bullshit. That was okay? bullshit. It is bullshit. It's just not true. Carrie, number one, would not have been Samantha's number one client. She probably earned nothing on offer, but she kept her on as a friend, as a favour. 100%. Right? Samantha also gets it. 
She mm. has been in this industry, in the game for long enough. She would not have had a tantrum and ended her friendship over it. The way I would have seen it play out is Carrie says, hey, hun, the business is kind of shit. I don't really need a publicist right now. Things are changing. Samantha would have said, oh, my God, darling, I could have told you that years ago. Thank God. Let's uh, podcast let's, you. Let's get yeah, you out there. We can either yep. pivot and do other things or seriously, let's have a Cosmo and uh, let's scroll through Tinder and look at who I'm going to have sex with tonight. Like that. that's the conversation she would have had, not have a tantrum and end the friendship over a business deal. I, I am going to actually totally agree with you on this one, Sammy. In relief, I, I'm 100% with you. It was inauthentic. We didn't buy it. The viewer, the viewer, it was it was so ill thought out. It didn't make sense. They put more time into choosing her shoes for the funeral than they chose to this storyline. Mm. And it was inauthentic because Samantha was not a selfish friend. She was a very loyal, always there friend. So, and she was never about the money. I don't, I don't even remember that being a big thing that she was her publicist. Like it didn't seem to be she was her cash cow at all. But even if she was her publicist and the book thing isn't working, look at what Samantha did with Smith. He was a waiter and a struggling actor and she turned him into a major movie star and got him on a billboard in Times Square within a week. She could have worked with Carrie to create other opportunities. Her own podcast and her own what have you. And just the idea that we were going to buy that as an audience, I'm hoping there is more to it. There's got to be more to it. This is my question. Is there more to the story to be revealed? I really hope so. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what's happened. I'm wondering, have they tried to make Samantha look like the bad guy here to get rid of her? Like, is it a bit of a fuck you to Kim Cattrall? Especially when Miranda says, it's like she's dead. Is this their way of saying... I know. To, to watch that as Kim Cattrall probably would have been rather hideous. Yeah. Making her out to be the bad guy when we can both sit here and we've looked at the show mm. through very mm. different lenses and mm. both say, Samantha just wouldn't mm. have kicked mm. her mm. friendship to the curb over Wouldn't it be nice if a it was a huge thing? secret that they were keeping from us that she's clearly going to come back and uh, reappear no. in some amazing storyline, but... I don't think so. I just think it was lazy and I wonder, are they having a go at Kim Cattrall through that story? Well, that would be cheap to do at the risk of offending an audience. I just think... Mm -hmm. It's not logical, It wasn't logical. And the character, the arc of... Unless Samantha in the intervening years has turned into a very power-driven, unless that's her journey and she'd become this amazing, only client-based personality. And there's been 20 years. I mean, that could have happened. Doubtful. Okay, here's the big, the key point in this whole situation for me as well. If she's had this issue with Carrie, why has she cut Miranda and Charlotte as that well? That didn't make sense Does at all. Doesn't make sense. That She's was not like she wasn't calls. friends with, what she couldn't be, that did not make sense If you want all. us to believe that, writers, mm. you have to give us more. Mm. You have to give us more of an explanation as to why Samantha, who, as you said, was always, you know, a great businesswoman who was sympathetic and a loyal friend and also no bullshit, mm. just said it like it was, had a very thick skin, why she would suddenly turn her back on all three of them just because Carrie doesn't want her to be a publicist anymore. And it made the other characters seem tokenistic, didn't it? Like their friendship only existed because Carrie and her were friends. But that's not true. We all know that's not true. That wasn't true at all. I really felt Samantha's absence. Are you crying, Sammy? And everyone's saying, you know, the show's now going to be missing sex. Who's going to be the new Samantha? Who's going to have all the sex? I've worked it out. Brady. Oh, my God. Brady is the new Samantha. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
That was next level. And the bumping when they were having sex, I mean, I would have just, like, it was just too much. That with was the headboard. too much with the headboard. <laughs> All right, so let's park Samantha. And there's more to say about Samantha in the second episode. There is. So we can continue the conversation there. Big's death. <laughs> is it interesting that I wanted to start with Samantha and then go to Big? Like, should I have started with Big? What, what was the no. bigger plot point for you? Was Samantha's absence or Big's death? As a plot line, Samantha's departure is way bigger because we are going to miss her absence. I think Big's departure was necessary for the sake of the story because where are they to go? They're the fantasy couple. That first episode, that was too dreamlike. And for me, that wasn't authentic because Big, there's always that leopards don't change their spots, but Big was never going to be the character they presented him in that first episode. He was not perfect husband material. The way he was dancing around that kitchen, cooking, salting, peppering, dancing, singing, that was not actually going to be what the big that she met in her 30s was ever going to turn into. That was Aiden. That was Aiden dancing in the kitchen with her. I'm sorry. Coming I'm in no. hot here. Oh my God. So the okay. fantasy they created around Big, they had to let go of because where is Carrie going to go from there? And mm. without, as you said quite rightly, Samantha providing the sex, someone's going to have to be dating men and what have you. Yeah. And, and I we was, need that. I was traumatised at the prospect of Big's death. And then after episode one of this podcast where I spoke to Carrie and she presented the idea that he really had to go, I came around to the idea that he really, he needed to go in order to move the story forward and to get Carrie back out on the dating scene. 100%. And as much as you want to see Miranda and Charlotte with their teenage kids, I want to see Carrie on Tinder and Bumble and being ghosted and breadcrumbed and dealing with the shit show of online (laughs) dating. But you know what I was thinking when it happened? The clue has been in the title of the show the whole time. And just like that, everything can change in a moment. Everything turns on the head of a pin, Sammy. And I think the death of such a pivotal character gives all the other lead characters the opportunity for new storylines because it doesn't just affect Carrie. There's a flow-on effect mm-hmm. with this death to all of the characters and death of someone in your immediate circle. You know, you really take a moment and take stock of your life. All and of them. how that plays out for all of them. Mm-hmm. I knew the moment, like up until this moment, I was like... Oh, he looks so happy. They look so happy in the kitchen and they're just living their joy and they look so comfortable and and solid together as a couple. And then the moment I knew he was going was when she was getting ready to go to the piano recital and she picks the fucking wedding shoes. And then she comes out and he's sitting there in the windowsill and he's smoking his cigar (sighs) and he doesn't look healthy for the first time. You go, oh. And then he's just, he's giving her that look Mm -hmm. and you just know that's the last bloody look. And in that moment I was like, he's dead. He's gone. He's dead. (laughs) I thought they did that, even though we knew what was happening when he's on the bike with Allegra and pushing himself. And it, it was a good, it was, it was a an good amazing, edit. amazing edit with, with the, the crescendo of uh, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte's Lily's. daughter, Lily's Mozart or Debussy or whatever she's performing to this absolute beautiful climax at the same time he has the heart attack. And it, it is brilliantly done, I've got to say. I thought he acted it really well too, Chris Noth. Like acting a heart attack, it can go into melodramatic mm, territory, mm. but I thought he played it 
Mm. I don't know, quite believably, I imagine. I got a bit confused and I know they were doing it to be poetic when she comes in and finds him and they just sort of stare at each other for a second call and I know ambulance. you're supposed to be. Yeah, I'm like, what call the frick's 911? Do CPR, call the Anything, concierge. pretend you're doing something. Don't just hold him. I didn't understand that. But maybe it was to create that that last moment between them to make it a beautiful one, not a panicked one? No, that moment, I think every one of us, particularly anyone who's a big fan, was like, Carrie, you stupid bitch, yeah. call an ambulance, what are you doing? But what I loved about that moment is my favourite moment from the whole show. It's tragic because it's in the moment that he's dying, but he had the heart attack and fell to the ground mm. while she was still at the piano mm. recital. Mm. Mm. She's had to finish the recital, say get goodbye the, to everyone, uh, get outside, get in the cab, <gasps> get home in New York traffic, get upstairs, and he was still just alive. He waited. I'm going to cry. He waited. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Have you got the tissues? I know. It oh, makes Sammy. Me. He, really? He, I know. I'm pathetic. He waited to say goodbye. That for me. I didn't just, actually think that. But now I'm feeling for you. I feel like How I need to come and comfort you. How could he still be alive? Like, you know, maybe that moment for her where And if he could just reach still. the phone. So I do I do feel robbed on two levels through Mr. Big's death. I've waited all this time to see Carrie and Big together and now you just kill him off in the in the new series. The other thing that I feel robbed about with Mr. Big's death. The masturbation scene. Oh, my oh God. Can my. you? Do we have to? I don't, I don't even do. want to go there. I can't go there. And his ugly toenails that they left on the screen. Did you notice the toenails? I see the toenails. I, was I so, couldn't. I just I was, couldn't. I was kind of listening but not looking because I, I, was, I was can't watch too him much. wank. This has ruined my relationship with Mr. Big yeah, and I'm so can... angry at you, Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica Parker for, for allowing doing... this to happen. <sighs> Mr. Big, and I know you've been Team Aiden the whole time, but I speak on behalf of Team Big when I say the whole time he's been this sexy, successful, stylish, sophisticated, hotshot that just was uber cool. Watching that scene, which was one of the last scenes mm. we're Our ever going to have with Mr. Big, is this creepy old man trying mm. to have an awkward wank. With a fil- an awful snarl on his face. Why? Okay, let's just unpack this for a sec. I, I didn't get how they had never seen it. They, no, she actually asked him, do you masturbate? They've been together 20 years. You know, no, you've never normal. asked your partner. And that you've never done it in front of each other exactly. or experienced it in some way. I should. I actually didn't get that. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I've never been married, but I've been in long-term relationships. And, yes, you have the conversation and you've seen them do it. Yeah. Come on. That's crazy to me. So that was, didn't ring true. And then I am with you. That was way too much. When he leant over to get the vas or whatever oh, he was getting, no, I felt like I was in puberty When he blues. said he needed lube. Oh, my God, I'm not 30 so... anymore. Yeah, okay, so we're all together on the masturbation scene that it was unnecessary and it was a really awful way to leave us with Mr Big. And when you rewatch it, because I know you will, can you focus in on his big-ass toes? I'm going to have a look at the toes. They're they're really long, creepy, yellow toenails and I was very – it just turned me off the whole thing. Does he look like he's had a pedicure? No. Oh, John James Preston gets regular pedicures. Oh. They come to the house for sure and do, do a mani I don't once know, a week. but it was just a moment that I don't think any of us needed to see. And as you said, to do that in one of the last memories of him was pretty, for a big fan, I Awful. imagine, quite mortifying. And yeah. her sitting there awkwardly as well. That just didn't, that was weird. 
one of my favourite things in the whole show was in that masturbation scene. Okay. We'll get to that later. But I wanted to ask you, though, we talked about how this season or this new version of Sex and the City, which we should stop calling that and just like that. It's, it's a separate like show. Is, is not as light and funny and c- those kind of scenes actually were the most true to the original series. That is what we were used to seeing, those hilarious, awkward... But that wasn't hilarious. It was just stupid and, and pointless <sighs> and it just didn't make sense on any level. And it didn't turn anyone on, did it? Oh, was it Liz- do you think it was meant to be sexy? I thought no. perhaps it was creepy. I know, but maybe they deliberately did it, knowing it was horrific, to try and uh, erase our memory of the second movie. I don't know, but so whatever now... it was, my memory is of him actually jiggling. I know it was just okay. not not okay. So now, when we think of Sex in the City and the horrible moments from it, we won't think of Lawrence of Malabia. We'll think of old creepy Mr. Big having a wank. That's so much fun. So one more thing on Mr. Big mm. before we move on. Mm. Um, let's try and work out why there have been scenes from set of Carrie and Big in Paris. Got to be a dream sequence. Uh, Got to be some sort of flashback. Is, How else? Is Mr. Big... I mean, he's dead. I don't mm. think it's going to be like a bold and the beautiful where we find out that <laughs> he's, he, he, he comes he, back to life. He faked his death and he's been living in a cave in Santa Barbara. And run away for with Samantha. Yes, <laughs> we saw the body in the bag in the back. We of did. The apartment, we did. Which Definitely. was also kind of weird. But for people like, do you think they're like, going to have to fast forward though? Because is it going to be okay with lovers of Mr. Big for her to go back dating? You know, there's only ten episodes in this season, yeah, not isn't straight there? away, but. I don't want her to go and hit the dating scene no, next week. No, because that's not going to be authentic either. Okay, let's talk about the, the discussions and conversations around their age mm-hmm. because there's no denying they are 50-something-year-old mm-hmm. women now mm-hmm. and they all look older. And they got straight into it in that first scene in the restaurant where they're talking about Miranda's grey hair and Charlotte asks Miranda if she's going to change her hair colour back to red and she actually says to her friend, to her face, I think the grey ages you. You don't say that to a friend. Or oh, my God, you? I do all the time. I say do it to my you? sisters. I took my sister for Botox for her 50th, but she wanted me to. I've just outed her. She didn't want me to tell any other members of the family. No. Am I deleting that? Or am no, I, okay. no, you can leave that in. Maria knows how much I love her, and they won't be listening to a Sex in the City podcast either. You never anyway, know. but I felt the comment back from Miranda was actually even truer which was, you don't like me being grey because it makes you uncomfortable. Miranda looks amazing with the grey hair. Miranda looks fantastic. And Miranda's grey hair Mm. makes Charlotte feel old. Mm. I think Miranda really summed it up when Miranda says, we can't just stay where we were and there are more important issues in the world than trying to look young. Mm. Sarah Jessica Parker, still looking fabulous. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like whatever work she's had is, is good work. Subtle work. Subtle. I felt like... Charlotte's not so much. She's had a lot of work. Mm. By the but do you know what? I think that's true to character as well. She's and Upper East New York um, and she would have indulged. I was mesmerised by all of the faces on screen, not mm. just the three lead characters. I was mesmerised by Big's look and Harry's look and Steve and and just really getting to know these people mm. again. You I know, struggled the them. most with Steve. Yes. The most shocking thing for me about their ages was Steve's decline. Now, mm. with the, the, is this the actor or is this a part of the character's storyline? Well. Because 
He's 50. He's acting like a 70 or 80-year-old. Yeah, like, yeah The no. hearing loss mm. and he just was sort of a bit and Steve always seemed the youngest he of did. all the characters. He seemed like the teenage boy. So right. I struggled with that. They were my least favourite scenes with Steve. And, I, I mean, it was frustrating because obviously he couldn't hear and he kept going, eh. But you know what made me feel old? Not Miranda's hair or Steve's hearing problem. The thing that made me feel mm. old as someone who was the same age as the girls mm. in the original series and is now the same age as the women in the and just like that series, it was watching grown up Brady having crazy wild sex with his girlfriend. I know. He was a little tiny baby when we last saw him and now he's Sammy. grown up and getting laid. And just like that. He's having sex. <laughs> like, he's having mad sex. I mean, like, when she, that was the best line when she says, I've, had, I've stepped on semen before I've had coffee. Like, that just says it all. And I can just, like, that is just life. That is real life there and then and with teenage children. I, I could totally relate to that. All right. Diversity has been another massive talking point. The original series had a lot of criticism about its lack of racial diversity and its kind of tone-deaf treatment of race. This series goes all in Mm -hmm. from the very start. I think they're trying so hard to be woke and so hard to be relevant, and I love that they're talking about it all and it's become part of the conversation, but, God, it felt forced. Mm. It was everything all at once. Mm -hmm. Like, let's throw it all into the first... 20 minutes of the show like let it breathe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let it flow through life like it does naturally but I, as forced as it was it also made sense that there I actually kind of felt it was authentic that you have this clearly very intelligent woman Miranda she's a lawyer she's taken this new career path because she wants to actually do good but she's so awkward and it's just so wrong. She's dropping clangers left, right and centre. I kept putting a foot in her mouth. And it was so uncomfortable to watch. But in the back of my head, I was thinking that's how a lot of very white, privileged, older women, probably their experience of trying to be woke is. And she's yeah. trying her hardest. And I get that. And failing. And I think I wonder whether they're kind of overcompensating with the Miranda character having her get it so wrong as a metaphor to show people how they really need to modify their behaviour and how they do get it wrong. But using Miranda as an example of what not to do didn't work for me because Miranda could not be that out of touch. You said it. She's a smart lawyer. Miranda is not that stupid. It's not like they went to sleep and woke up 20 years later. Yes. She's not that out of touch and I just... And it it would have been a slower, more gradual progression of embracing. Just it was weird to me that she... Because she'd been having, far. she'd been drinking that morning. Or maybe <laughs> it was the alcohol. Maybe she's a bit. I don't know. Or maybe I did she's love just... that she was carrying those big books. I could so relate to that. <laughs> the, the, the concept of a Kindle, and I still carry carts of newspapers. I'm finally, you know, letting go of that. But you like yeah. to turn the page. Okay, so I loved um, Professor Nia Wallace, the black she's professor. So cool. yep. She's super, super cool. I like. You know, she's from the Morning Show or Morning Wars, whatever that was. Yes. With Jen Aniston and yep. Reese Witherspoon. I love her as an actress. There's a little interesting IVF storyline that's coming there but I do feel like her character was a little tokenistic in a way. Yeah I want to say that developed. When there's a Mm. new black character there's always an issue there's always something to do with their race. With this professor why couldn't she just be the super cool Mm. professor that Mm. Miranda meets at college? Why did it have to be a thing about her braids and her black Mm. hair Mm. and Mm. they made it into this awkward, weird cringe-worthy scene with Miranda putting a foot in it in front of all the classmates? It, It wasn't necessary. 
I, I, I know where you're coming from, but I, I did feel like it explains when you put yourself out there and to try and, you know, move into new territory of that younger world and it's, it's showing how uncomfortable that is. And I'm hoping the reward is some kind of beautiful relationship development and Miranda ends up doing something great. And, and I think it's showing that to put yourself out there at, in your 50s and go back to uni is is hard. But just the idea of putting yourself in a very uncomfortable space, having uncomfortable moments in a world that's not familiar to you. True. And maybe that we are living in this super woke culture and everything you say can be seen as wrong. Mm-hmm. And Miranda is that example of meaning well but putting She's a foot in it She's trying to do it time. so right, though. It's so bad, isn't it? It's just... I also love the other new character, Lisa Todd Wexley, LTW, oh. as Charlotte refers to her school friend. What I didn't like was... Another Another one of those moments that just was so unnecessary and I don't know why they do this. Are you going to say the French fry? Nope. <laughs> um, Lisa Wexley at the piano recital and Anthony says, oh, look, it's Black Charlotte. Oh, it was that I think moment. I missed that. That is, that's, that's awkward. Maybe I pretended I didn't hear that. When that's not okay. No, Miranda pulls out the purse wine, which oh. was the highlight of the show for me, and then Lisa Todd Wexley arrives and goes, oh, purse wine, yeah, I'll have one, and she reaches across and takes one, and as as Anthony mm. hands the mm. cup to her, he goes, oh, look, it's Black Charlotte, and you sort mm. of, a few seconds later, you go, wait, oh, what? Hang on. Did he just Did he? say? Yeah. The show's been criticised for being too white, and I think the way they've handled the diversity and the new characters in the first two episodes has really not, not done anything right. to fix that problem. Yeah, so okay, well we've got a bit of work to do there I think with the diversity and then of course we've got uh, Che Diaz uh, the non-binary podcast host comedian. I didn't love her in episode one, her character, but I really loved her in episode two. I loved her from the beginning and I couldn't work out why and we've established she was on Grey's Anatomy and that I did love her instantly. She's got that really warm presence on screen where you feel like you know her. I couldn't tell if I just love her or if I had known her before. Um, I loved that scene, the podcasting scene, because it was Carrie being Carrie and Carrie, and this is one thing I felt about Carrie and there was a moment watching it that I went, oh my God, is this going to work anymore? You know how she was always so cutesy and charming and had those turns of phrases that she got away with because she was 30 something and cute and hot and her nipples were still hard. (laughs) Fast forward 20 years, those cute things, they don't work as a 50-something-year-old. You can't get away with not having an answer on a podcast. And I just wondered, is that going to serve her still? How is her character going to work? Well, no, because the, Che called her out on it. Absolutely and I was like, called okay, honey, yeah. you're, you're, the, you're the OG sex columnist. you got to step up your game. What did she say? Okay, there was that line. You better step your pussy up. I loved that because I thought that is the moment where you see whether Carrie, the character, is a myth or not. Yes, she spent all her life writing these columns, made books of writing about sex, yet when she comes to the punch and she's asked actually a question about sex and she doesn't know. <laughs> no, but it was about her masturbating. Yeah, it was you about know, her And it was like, have you? where do you masturbate? Or did you masturbate in a But she was place? like shocked and, oh, oh, oh. And that to me was, that was more awkward in some ways than Miranda in the, you know, university because yeah. it was like, come on, girl, you got this. You're better than this. And if you're not, are you a myth? You know, that frustrated me. 
Yeah, that was I'm not buying the that. podcast thing. I may, I don't think podcasting is for Carrie. She is going to need to step her pussy up or just uh, uh, step yeah. away from the mic, lady. Because yeah, because yeah, writing <laughs> and speaking about sex are clearly two very different, different things. things. Mm. Is this what happens when you remove Samantha from the show? All of a sudden, Carrie gets all ex- you know embarrassed when Prim someone and... asks her about masturbation. I mean, the girls used to sit in crowded restaurants talking about anal and head jobs and all kinds of things. Or has well, this is what I wondered about Samantha and her relationship was had she turned into a prude, oh. as in had she become such a coupley couple dancing around the kitchen listening to jazz. Carrie. That, Carrie, that she'd failed her friend. It, well, as No, not failed her friend. They'd grown apart. They'd grown apart because their trajectory was different and Samantha was still on the single scene possibly and Carrie had become a happy couple and sometimes that doesn't work anymore. Mm. There's a lot to not like about this episode one, but the things that I loved... Mm-hmm. I loved seeing Carrie and Big so happy and content and comfortable. I loved seeing their apartment, her closet. I actually oh had gosh, an orgasm. Yes. And then that yes. uh, the wallpaper in one of the rooms with the Empire State Building oh there, my God, subtly yeah. in the background. I was like, need that for my apartment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved uh, Lisa Todd Wexley and Nia Wallace. Love, love, love. Can't wait to see more of them. Yep. I loved the fashions and I loved the New York locations. That first scene when Carrie and Miranda are walking across the road from Radio City Music Hall. I know exactly where they were. Oh, and you've done New York so many times. See, I haven't been. Yes. What did you love about it? I have to say, I I did, as much as I was happy to see him go, I did love seeing them dance in the apartment and I thought that is the epitome of what she had wanted the entire time. Yeah. And I was so happy to see that. And that was such a picture-perfect moment. I loved the scene. If you're talking about actually as TV watching, I did love the piano scene when yes. she's going, you know, she's an incredible pianist, this young actress or however they've mm-hmm. created that. And I thought that was quite magical the way, even though he was having his heart attack, I thought the crescendo of that was, you know, fantastic. It was very, symph- you know, symphonic. Um, I hated, we've talked about the masturbation scene that almost killed it. me. And even though I am enjoying where Miranda is going, I was uncomfortable watching those scenes, I have to say. Definitely. Being deaf and Yeah, they're uncomfortable to watch, aren't they? And she's uncomfortable to watch sometimes. I don't know if they need to get her into flat shoes, but she can't walk. <laughs> let's, get to, let's get to the fashion. Um, the other thing that I really didn't like mm-hmm. is... I think overall in this episode one where it just felt off for me, they tried to squeeze everything into the first 30 minutes. The references to age, grey hair, COVID, Mm -hmm. explaining Samantha's absence, establishing Carrie and Big, Big's death, talking about all the children, Miranda's new direction, Miranda's drinking problem, all the woke stuff, the Instagramming, the podcasting, the non-binary references. There was so much. There was a lot. It didn't breathe. It didn't have time to land. And they, I just wish they hadn't forced so much into that first episode. I took it the other way. Isn't that interesting? We have such different takes on things. I have always felt that one of the most fabulous things about Sex in the City and re-watching it, seeing it again, is the editing. And it's what I love about Younger as well. It's, it's producer, same producer, sorry, Darren Starr. Is it so quick? There could be so much more in there, but they are great at editing and just, and that's what makes it fantastic. So, so I thought it was a brilliant move. And it keeps moving for And you. it keeps, yes, right. and, and you, you can't even, that's gone and you're thinking about the next thing and I think that's the brilliance of it because when, you know, directors and editors indulge, it, it, it can labour. Okay. So I think that is actually the brilliance of the show. 
Finally, I want to talk about the fashion. Oh. I was quite concerned about what I was seeing coming from the set and they've got a new mm-hmm. stylist, Molly mm-hmm. Rogers, and Patricia Field is no longer there. And I just the images that I'd seen, mm. it didn't look like it was working. But as Paula Joy said in my last podcast she episode, is the one to know. she said, let's wait and see mm. when the when the fashions mm-hmm. are moving, how they mm-hmm. work in the storyline, when there's dialogue mm-hmm. and locations. And it all worked beautifully for mm-hmm. me. I loved all of the fashions. I thought Everyone looked amazing. I thought Carrie's hat in that first scene. I know a few mm. of my friends were like, what the fuck's going on with that Bit hat? hair. I Fab. Her hair. Oh. She's got four times more hair than she's ever had before. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a little old extensions. thing called extensions, darling. But there was a lot of <laughs> hair There was a lot. There. What did you think about the double handbag at brunch? What was that about? The double handbag, why? Uh, yeah, I didn't get that. And even the tiny, that wasn't practical. But Carrie was never practical. So, you know, that was never going to work. I found it interesting, actually, because when you asked me about fashion, there weren't some any standout moments apart from Charlotte's girl, Lily's dress, and the other daughter, how she styles the dress. And note that Carrie gives her the thumbs up for yes. that. So she comes out in this beautiful Oscar de la Renta, but she's completely destroyed it with a beanie on her head and a black T-shirt on top and, you know, funkified it up to Charlotte's horror. And I totally could relate because my Matisse used to do that as a five-year-old and it's, you know, you buy these amazing outfits, but you've got to go with it. And what you learn as parents and what Charlotte should have learned by now because the kids are almost teenagers um, is that you can't they are them who they are and you just have to let them run with it yeah I thought I loved the matchy matchy outfits with Charlotte and her daughters I thought it was a bit forced with the Oscar de la Rente mentions they mentioned Oscar de la Rente 5,000 times so clearly yes you were a sponsor of the episode Thank and she's you carrying the okay that makes sense well, yeah she was carrying the bags Everything. in the first scene and she says yeah. it like literally five times okay. through the episode uh, Charlotte looks impeccable and everything will we ever see her in tracky decks Let's talk about Miranda's wedges. They bothered me so mm. much. I've never liked Miranda's she style. Like she had, is it gout? Okay, so I've never understood that <laughs> what? word. I've what? <laughs> like she kind of was. It was so uncomfortable. It's like always, does she need a walking stick? No, What's she's going on. She's always walked weirdly. I don't okay. think she's comfortable. She needs in to get heels. in runners. I I've never liked Miranda's style, but I think it looks good on her and it works for her character. Other than the masturbation scene, the other unbelievable moment from this show was Miranda trying to lop around in those clunky high Mm. wedges on the subway. Hello, anyone who's ever been in New York knows if you take the subway, you're doing a lot of walking. There's 4,000 steps to get in Mm. and out of each subway. And then you're walking around university. And she was so stiff and she knew she was meeting, you know, young kids. That that was not sensible. It was so silly. And they were like, like, Mm. Really high wedges. She would go. In fact, home both and... of us noticed that uncomfortably. I just felt uncomfortable for her. I was like, girl, where are your sneakers? Like, I've worn some high heels in here today, but darling, I had sneakers on up until the moment I got out of the car. And exactly. these will go off the moment I get, you know, like. Yeah, so can we all address that? Let's yeah. just let's address Miranda's footwear. It's not working for well, it's Well, footwear's an interesting thing <laughs> because as an older woman, do you notice this? That. Uh... <laughs> but no, but younger girls have. Th- you know, eschewed the idea of being uncomfortable. They want to be comfortable. They're um, wearing sneakers out in nightclubs. They, you know, you it actually shows your age if you wear a heel. Really? Don't you think? If no, you go to a pub even, you know, a, a pub on a Sunday afternoon in a pair of heels, you look like you're 50 because every other girl in the joint, trust me, 
Who's <laughs> wearing sneakers? I learned this mistake early on. You do not turn up in heels because you'll look your age. I wear heels. Oh, girl. I wear them to the pub. No. Like, oh, they wear formal dresses with sneakers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's a good look. I'm just saying the only people in heels that are above that okay. um, are 50. The other thing I loved, and I know I've, I've talked about Charlotte and her impeccable style and just are we ever going to see her just schlep around in tracky dacks? I don't know if you noticed it, but when... There was a scene where she comes home with the dresses and Lily is sitting on the couch with the dog. Did you notice next to her, her backpack, it was a Chanel backpack. Oh, I didn't notice. I noticed the back. Stop it. It's a Chanel. Oh, God. That is crazy. That's terrible. That's Charlotte's life is everything just, you know, has to have this shine on it. What was your favourite look? Do you know, this is going to sound so crazy. There was no wow factor moment fashion-wise in episode one apart from Lily at the piano. I don't know why I'm so taken with this. Mm. The red mm. floral dress, the Steinway grand mm. piano, that was the fashion wow moment. Mm. There really wasn't one from any of the girls. I think they tried it with that very first scene and Carrie's very first mm-hmm. look with the hat and all the hair and but the double handbags. a lot handbags, going on. A lot going on. My favourite fashion moment mm. was actually the masturbation scene. Big's uh, velvet <laughs> robe, or which bit? <laughs> oh, it gets snorting. No, it was terrible. I know. Stop. No more masturbation. I don't think I looked at what she was wearing in that scene. Okay, go back and rewatch it. It's actually just before she comes into the bedroom. She's sitting at the computer. She's wearing. It's the first time we see oh, her square the glasses. glasses. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're gold or silver. I am obsessed with those glasses. If anyone knows mm, where mm, I can get them. Mm. Contact mm, me. Mm. They were cool. They were cool. Unbelievably yep. beautiful and they come back throughout. Mm, mm. But then from there when she gets up from the computer and she walks into the bedroom, just before we embark on the whole masturbation debacle, she's got this caftan on, this dark grey uh, olive. Okay. It's just a V-neck beautiful silky looking caftan okay. and it is the only thing that saves that, the, the scene okay. for me. <laughs> but... um. I felt like you said that they jam-packed so much in in this episode, but the one thing that they didn't layer in too much, I didn't think, was the fashion. Mm. I didn't think they went crazy. They didn't on, go OTT. No. It was quite safe. It was safe. Safer Compared than, to the photos we've seen. Yes, yeah, I'm waiting for, for those, yeah. yeah um, um, okay, so what was your fave moment? Uh, but favourite moment. I just love that opening scene. I rewound and watched it over and over again. Her flicking her hair. They're back. They're back. I'm safe. I'm with my girls and I'm happy and I know this is going to be, and sadly it's only 10 episodes. I'm hoping it comes back for another season already because <laughs> it's just a me moment. It's like for me, yeah. for me. Aww. And that's what these girls are. Thank you so much. We, we really had a lot to digest in this episode uh, and I can't wait to see where we go from here. So can you stick around and um, we're going to have to get into episode two. I know. We haven't even gone there. All right. 100%. Let's take a breather. Let's do that. And I'll see you back for episode two. Okay. 